Today, we go back to thinking about how we can be intentional about making spiritual progress in our life. It's all about being intentional and consistent. <laughs> Welcome to Run With Horses. My name is Norman, and my goal is to help you thrive as a follower of Jesus. Now, I keep telling you there's a lot of moving parts on this journey, but we do have a solid foundation that is the rock, Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on the prize and keep making steps forward on your spiritual journey. So last week, had a little break and talked to Samuel Bornman, an author of a children's book. And just think about the idea of how literature and even children's books can help us in discipling our children. Having three kids, that's something I've always been interested in, trying to do well at that aspect of my life. But two weeks ago, we were looking at our priorities and answering the big questions of life. And that really comes down to what will you prioritize and pursue in your life? Maybe the question should have been, who will you prioritize in your life? And I've mentioned before, there was a group that kind of researched Christianity years ago, trying to summarize it in as few words as possible, maybe down to one paragraph or one sentence. And they ended up saying you could almost summarize Christianity in one word, that being relationships. So I've mentioned that before, and that we have five different relationships that really guide our life. The first one is our relationship with God. If you're married, the second one would be your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your children, your relationship with the church family, and then your relationship with the world, with unbelievers. So those five at least categories of relationships do guide our life. And we've been thinking about that and talking about how do we prioritize these things? How do we live out this unique calling that God has given us? So we moved on from that big picture priorities to consider how God uniquely made you. You know, each one of us are a unique work of art, a unique creation by God. So we ask the question, and I think all of us have to consider and, and stop, and this gives us post cause for praise and something to think about when we consider our part in God's mission. What are your gifts, and how are they to be used in the great work that God is doing in the world? You know, there's a few moving parts to that. One is recognizing that God has given you gifts, and you are uniquely created to fill a purpose in the world. And I think without stopping to consider that and without stopping to consider the mission of Jesus in the world and how we are part of that, we're really never going to be satisfied. We're really never going to find our purpose. And we're going to struggle. That's just part of not being where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I don't mean that in the sense that some people would say that God has your every footstep planned out. I think God uses the way he made you and your creativity and your gifts and then gives you that freedom to serve him. I mean, that is the definition of service. If you're uh, forced into it, then you're not really serving. But we're given that opportunity to serve. And part of that is 
figuring out what that looks like, given your gifts and how God created you and recognizing that God has created you for a purpose. So the first part is you in this, in this equation, but the, the second part is that great work that God is doing, that great work of reconciliation. We need to stop and consider God is doing amazing things in the world. And it's building what is supposed to be a beautiful family. And I recognize that there are often parts of this beautiful family that are really messed up. And that's not the way it's supposed to be, but that's the reality of the world we live in right now. We have gifts God has given us. God is doing something great in the world, and He's given us those gifts to take part to accomplish this work in the world. But that's not all. Another issue is individually developing the character of Jesus in your life. You know, God is working in you to change you to be like Him. And all of life provides the arena where that happens. Recognizing your gifts, recognizing the work He's doing, making attempts to use His gifts and not doing well and having to recover from that, uh, failing at relationships and, and saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. That's all part of God developing your character. He could snap His fingers or with a word change you. And ultimately He will do that. But in His sovereignty, He has decided to allow us to kind of muddle through this life and figure out what it's what it's like and to have the opportunity to choose to serve Him. I think that's an amazing thing. And as we think about these things, and there's more, we could, we could go further in, and that's kind of a big picture of what we're always doing here is thinking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus in the world today. But leaving that aside for the moment, narrowing it down just to our gifts and this great work and God developing our character, we are forced to come back once again to some basics. It is important to, to spend consistent time in God's Word, to know Him and His mission in the world. Time in God's Word is critical. It's, it's also important to spend time in prayer, contemplating God's work in your life and through your life. And then it's also critical to spend time with God's family. Uh, using your gifts to build up and encourage others along the way. And you receive from them even as you're giving and serving. So what you notice in the way that I worded these, it's time in God's Word, time in prayer, and time with God's family. Time is one of those things that we seem never to have enough of. We're always running out of time, wishing we had more time, uh, time gets away from us. Life is marked in days, which are divided into hours and minutes and seconds, and it always seems like there aren't enough of us. Uh, enough of them, enough uh, hours in the day, enough minutes in the hour. There's, there's always more that we want to do. Well, that's the life we live in. That's what gets us down to the point we're at now, we're looking at developing a life plan. If you want to live well, if you want to see those days and hours add up to something, God has given you the opportunity 
to fill them. And I think we need to start with the truth presented in God's Word. But the goal is not to, to know the truth. You can know the truth and still live poorly. But we're, we're given the opportunity to live life in the context of our gifts and the situation where God has placed us. So how do you, given that each one of us is different, and I mean from our gifting to the context in our, of our life, you know, our family situation, our work situation, uh, where you live in the world. You know, today I'm in the northern part of the United States, and it has been cold for weeks. And I mean uh, below zero, <laughs> very cold for weeks. That's the context that I live in right now. If you live down near the equator, guess what? You don't have the same problems that, that we have recently. Now, even in my office, you know, this morning, okay, my hands are cold. There are some things that I wouldn't want to do this morning. If I really needed to be working on playing guitar for Sunday or something like that, it'd be a terrible time to practice. I mean, it's, it's cold in here. <laughs> it's hard to get moving and warm up. It takes a while when you come in and, and finally turn the heat on. You don't have that same problem if you live somewhere where it's 70, 80 degrees today or you know, 20, 30 degrees Celsius. We're all in a different context. We have different neighbors. You know, I grew up in a house that was a half mile from the nearest neighbor. I live in a house right now that's 10 feet from the nearest neighbor. So it's a different context. It's a different place. Uh, the church family is different in different places. You know, I've spent 20 years in Japan where our church family never really had more than 20 to 30 people in it. And here in the States, a lot of the churches that I'm working with right now have more than 100. It's a different context. Uh, some of them have 300, 400. Very different church family dynamic. So it's all unique. But we all have to come back to the same thing no matter where you're beginning, where you're at with your gifts and with your uh, life situation right now, where do I start if I really want to develop a life plan that glorifies God, that gives me some uh, hope of being intentional about joining with God in what He's doing? All right, I'm going to give you some homework today. <laughs> and I know we all love homework because that's just the way we're made, right? Everybody's always begging for more homework. <laughs> uh, all kidding aside, you, you will get a lot of value out of today if you will do the activities. There's a couple of lists that you need to make. It's not hard, um, but I think it will help you to visualize and to think through some of these things. The first question that you need to answer today is what are the roles that God has given me? I think this is a hugely important question for us to answer. What are the roles that God has given you? There are a lot of them. I mean, almost anybody in any context anywhere is going to come up with at least two or three. And, you know, some of us are going to have a longer list, seven, eight, nine. Uh, what are the roles that God has given you? And what do I mean by that? Okay, here's an example. 
uh, and I'll use myself and give a few. Okay, first and foremost, I'm married, I'm a husband. That's one of the roles that God has given me. Uh, you can look at God's Word and you can see the Bible talks about that as a role and there are certain expectations and uh, what that is. I'm also a father. I have three children. So husband and father, those are related roles, but they're different. You know, I relate to my wife differently than the way I relate to my daughter and my son, my other daughter. So they're two different roles. They have a different conversation that's happening in those. Okay, I am also uh, a brother. I have a brother and a sister, so I am a brother to those two. That's another role. There are certain responsibilities and opportunities that go along with that role. And we can put all of these, including I'm a son, so I have a mom and dad. I have four different roles here that you can all lump under the idea of family. God has given us family. But within that, each one of these roles is different. My responsibility is different. The expectations are different. The time required to do each one of them well is different. Uh, over life, the roles change, but those are roles that God has given me. And most of you are going to have one or two of those. But we don't stop there. You live somewhere, which means if you're like most of us, you have some kind of neighborhood. Now, depending on where you live, your neighborhood could, could go out miles, or it could be a block, uh, just a row of houses. But that means you're a neighbor of some kind to somebody. And I mean, people live near you. Not just the idea of, I think being a good neighbor goes beyond the people that live near us. We have people that we see as we go to stores and as we go around town, as we do different things. But in the, the context of where you live, you're a neighbor. And I think we have opportunities and responsibilities of being a good neighbor. How do we be a good neighbor? I think that's a role. Uh, you are in this time and place, and given that you live in this time and place, who are the people around you? Who's in your neighborhood? Uh, there's a book called The Art of Neighboring. I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's challenging to think about how poorly we do in the United States as neighbors today. And I would say, in the places I've lived, even in, in Japan, it depends on the neighborhood. Some neighborhoods did better than others. But one of the things that struck me as really different than the United States, there was a community responsibility for taking care of the roadside, for taking care of uh, the neighborhood. So we had, I think it was monthly, sometimes every other month, times when the neighborhood would get together and there was an expectation because you lived in this neighborhood you would have a representative or two from your household be part of this maybe it's cleaning the the side of the road so that might look like picking up trash in the city or in the country it might look like getting out a, a weed eater and weed eating so the last place that i lived in japan we had to weed eat for about a half mile of the side of the road and there were six or seven of us that would divide that up and 
and do that. It would take about an hour and a half. It was a big job. But along with that, you have the opportunity to get to know your neighbors. You know, they'd get there early and they all start at the same time. They all end at the same time. You didn't quit until everybody's section was done. A couple times throughout the year, they would have lunch together, have a, a different community event. It meant something to be a neighbor. Well, I think it should mean something for all of us to be a neighbor. Okay, moving on from neighbors, you're also, if you're like most people, you're either an employee or an employer. You have some kind of work. At least a lot of us do. That's another role. It has a different set of expectations. The expectations are different if you're the owner of the company or if you're an employee. Uh, even within the company, you have different roles if you're a manager or if you're someone who is a new hiree and you're just learning the ropes, your, your first job. So uh, my son Cameron's just starting to work. He's working in a new company. He's just learning the basics of what it means both to have a job and to do this job in this company. Okay, all those are roles that he's having to learn. What, what are the expectations for me in this role? Uh, one more that I think a lot of us have or should have, you're a friend. You should be a friend. Uh, that's an important one. Uh, what does it mean to be a good friend? How do you do that? So here I've listed several roles, I think seven, and you know, that's just real quick off the top of my head, thinking what are the roles that I have in life? Um, all of us are going to have some, but it's worth thinking about what they are, and particularly thinking about the roles that you have that the Bible speaks to. Because then the next step, if you really want to get some mileage out of this exercise, is take each role, look at what God says about them and write out a job description for each role considering what God has said about that role. So all of these are um, at least in one way or another they're spoken to in scripture. What does God say about that role? As you write a job description you you do want to keep in mind what God is saying about that role but it's, it's also true that you'll want to put down what are the expectations that maybe society has for that role. You know, the more detailed that you are, the better idea you'll have of what it means to be in this role and to do it well. That's really what we're trying to figure out. Given who I am, given who God is, given where I am, given the roles that God has given me, what does doing it well look like? What does... And the term that I've come back to frequently recently is what, what does it mean to walk worthy in this area, in this role? If I want to stand before God and He's evaluating my job, my role as a husband, what does it mean to have done that well? How do I get that commendation, well done, good and faithful servant, particularly in my role as an employee? or as a friend. So this is not a quick project, <laughs> not if you do it well, <laughs> but I think it's worth it. Um, consider your life, who you are, your, your family, your friends, 
uh, your work, your community, uh, even your church. You know, some people are going to put down a uh, pastor and things like that, um, a deacon, a Sunday school teacher. Those are different roles, right? Write down all of those different roles and then consider, what does this role demand from me? You know, how do I do it in light of eternity? Now, there's a good question for you. How do I do what God has called me to do in light of the fact that one day all of this will disappear? My relationship with God is really the, the primary relationship. But God, who is the one that I'm going to have to answer to, has given me some expectations for all these other roles. So what are the requirements to do this role that he has given me? How, how would I know if I was doing it well? That's a good way to, to think about it. Is it possible to consider, if, if you had to give a performance evaluation for this role, what would be on the questionnaire? Figure that out. If you can figure that out, you can come up with your own personal evaluation for this role in your life, given who, given who you are, given your context, and you can begin to answer some of those questions. How am I doing? How could I do better? Um, and you're going to come back to those things that I was mentioning before. You know, I, I mentioned time in God's Word, time in prayer, time in God's, God's family. Time becomes an issue. You know, each of these roles demands something. And one thing that I think every role that God has given us demands from us is a certain amount of time. And as we recognize that, as we begin to evaluate how we spend our time, how we live, we recognize that to do life well, you really you need to be somewhat organized. You need to recognize what your priorities are. And you need to consistently spend time on the things that are going to have value eternally. Uh, and that's even within each role. So give yourself a performance evaluation. <laughs> what are the questions that you should be asking yourself? And as a side note, you know, one of my, my goals is always to figure out how I can be better as a disciple maker. How can I help other people follow Jesus well. Well, this exercise will help you a lot. As you consider your roles, you'll see that a lot of these, um, as you're learning how to do it well, and if you go that step of figuring out what it demands for you, what does God say about it, and what would that performance evaluation look like, you really come up with the questions and the things that will help other people. You're, you're able to walk alongside someone else and help them consider, how do you do this well? How do I take all of the struggles of life, all of the challenges that I have? You're going to have challenges. That's the thing. It's certainly true that in most of our roles, we have rights and responsibilities, but you also have challenges. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulations. You're going to have days when nothing is going right. <laughs> you may have a lot of those. It seems like there are seasons of life where, hey, things are going pretty well, and then times where it's like, ah, oh, it's all falling apart. It's just nothing's going right. Well, you're going to have both of those. 
how do you stay on track? Well, one way is to have a, a good, clear grasp of what you're doing, of why you're doing it, of the purpose, of the value. And you, you know where you want to be spending your time. A lot of the distractions, a lot of the trials are the things that pull us away from the things that are important to us. So, <clears throat> moving on, you could, you could stop here. <laughs> and if you stopped here and just go through and figure out the roles that God has given you, the roles that you have in society, in your family, in your job, and you figure out how to live a life of purpose and intentionality in line with God's mission in that context, you are going to do really, really well. Uh, that, that's going to help you so much. Uh, I think too often we do the things we do without thinking about even how they relate. You know, one of the questions that you'll want to answer if you think about this list, let's go back to mine. I put down you know, husband, father, neighbor, brother, son, employee, uh, friend. I have this partial list here. I probably have a few more I should put on there. But I have this list. How do they relate to each other? You know, and particularly the ones that are more separated typically in our minds. Because we understand if I said husband, father, brother, son. Okay, those are related. They're, we put those under family. <laughs> okay, it, that's true. And that's good. We, we should kind of look at the similarities and figure out how they contribute to each other and how do we um, do those roles well. But how does the employee and you know, father relate? Because that's often where the tension is, right? Particularly for a man. Uh, my role as employee is really going to hinder my family roles. There's going to be tension there. And some of the tension comes from priorities. It's easy for men to prioritize work because I have to take care of my family. Uh, and while that's true, taking care of your family maybe um, is broad and we interpret it in various ways which might not be scripturally, scripturally sound. You know, uh, it's not primarily about finances, although certainly we need a certain level of finances to take care of our family. We need a place out of the cold. We need food. But we often look at trying to provide things well beyond the basic needs that the act of working to provide for these things takes us away from the family that we're trying to take care of. Um, maybe that's you know, buying them a car at 16. I could never do that. <laughs> just, that's not in my uh, mindset. I don't think they need one. Um, and I'm certainly not going to provide them one without them contributing. Um, but that someone who desires to do that, who wants it, maybe working extra to provide two or three cars for their kids and that means they're not spending time with their kids, which actually is more important than the car, really, in the long run. So that's what I mean. You have to compare and look at these roles and see, how do I uh, work out these different roles? How do they contribute to each other? How do they fight against each other? Look at that. See what God says about those roles. Okay, you can get a lot, a long way from that. But wait, there's more. <laughs> We're going to dig a little deeper here. And the next question uh, we'll look at right after break. The next question, what is your identity? They we're asking the question of who are you?
and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back, and we're ready to dig a little deeper. So we've looked at our roles, big picture, uh, the roles that God has given us throughout life, but now we want to make it much more personal. The roles are kind of big picture roles that these are very common. Everyone has these roles. Uh, they're maybe generic is the wrong word, but to some degree they are generic. Lots of people have these roles. But the next one is a little more personal. What's your identity? Who are you specifically? This is a good time, if you haven't done it in a while, is to review your identity in Christ. You know, you were made uniquely, given gifts, and we've talked about that. But once you came to know Jesus Christ, once you trusted in Him, your faith and the Holy Spirit and this new relationship, you're learning all of this, um, what God has done and is doing, you, you learn some new words that you need to understand what they mean and how they relate to you. What does it mean to be um, a saint? That's what you are in Christ. So, not the purpose of today's talk, so I'm not going to get into it. Look up your identity in Christ. There's lots of resources. There's different Bible studies you could do. But you want to be really solid and understand who God says that you are. You are. He calls us children, His children. Uh, we're part of His family. Uh, we're part of His church. We have a new identity. Look, look at that. Foundationally, to live life well, you really need to have settled. Uh, you're forgiven. That's part of your identity. Uh, you're called. That's part of your identity. So consider that. Do that, that study be a great time to do that. But also, consider how God has uniquely made you. And here I'm thinking about your gifts and abilities. What are your gifts? What are your abilities? What are your interests? What are your skills? God has made you um, incredibly unique and beautiful. As you think about how God made you. And I think it, it's worth making a list of both kinds. Make that list from the Bible that's, that really clearly states, here's my identity in Christ. And you'll be able to come back to that and encourage yourself to often, this is who God says that I am. And that's really the question you're asking when you think about your identity. Who does God say that I am? You don't really care who the world says that you are. It's really important who God says that you are. Make a list that includes your identity in Christ, but also your gifts, your abilities, your interests, your skills. And so that list might be, well, like I mentioned a few, saint, forgiven. I might include ambassador for Christ. That's part of my identity. Um, I'm a missionary. Now, I, I could have put that under role, and you'll see some overlap, I think, between roles and identity. You might put down something like Christian. Um, get beyond the biblical identity, and I would say, well, I'm an artist. You know, I, I'm a musician. I'm a writer. I'm a podcaster. You know, I have lots of different um, ways of talking about my identity. If I get into gifts and abilities, skills... You know, that can be more specific. You can say artist. You could say, 
what do you mean by artist? Well, I'm everything from uh, video and photography to painting, uh, sculpture. Okay, I've done different things like that. Those are skills. Um, cabinet maker. My dad was a cabinet maker and I built lots of cabinets and bookcases and things like that. That's a skill. Not one I enjoy. I'm allergic to sawdust, so I, I try to avoid that one if at all possible. But it is something that I can do. Uh, recording. Some of that is how I got into doing podcast and radio show. It started with years and years ago being a missionary. So that role as a missionary, that identity as a missionary meant I needed to go and talk about that in churches. And in the beginning, someone helped to set up our our uh, presentation. So they had the equipment and they recorded it. And this was back in the old days. This was on uh, an eight track or maybe it was a four track reel to reel recorder. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And they eventually put it onto a a cassette tape for me and we used two projectors with the dissolve unit that synced the cassette with shifting the the two projectors because uh, this was not <laughs> this is not a video projector this was a slide projector two slide projectors I, probably if you, any of you guys are younger you may never have seen one of these okay after the beginning the next time I needed to do a new presentation, well, eventually I had to figure that out myself. Uh, we had a time where equipment was getting newer, they had coming out with the cassette recorders instead of the 8-track, so I had one of the early Tascam 4-track cassette recorders and I recorded our missionary presentation. I could make our own cassette to sync our tapes to and eventually moved into doing our own video for uh, our presentation and recording some stuff in Japan and uh, doing the editing and all those. So as I had a need to do something, I had to gain a new skill, I grew in my ability to do those things. Most of us in life are like that. We have skills that we gain over time and usually there's a need. You have something you need to do so you learn how to do it. When you're children, and you move away from home, one of the first skills that you gain is learning how to cook for yourself if you haven't done that at home, learning how to run the laundry machine and all of those kind of things. They're, some of them are basic skills. They might not be interesting. <laughs> they might not be gifts, but they're things that you can do. So you might not want to include that level, but what are the things that you can do that make you unique? You know, I did this years and years ago when I was considering who God made me and what God was calling me to do, I made a list of all of my gift, skills, interest, abilities and said, God, I, I want you to, to use these things. And I included everything from the woodworking ability to I could ride a unicycle, uh, you know, everything I could, I could think of. And so I had about a page long list of different things that I could do. You know, I had gone to school in horticulture, so I had ability working with plants. And, you know, it's, uh, I, even back then I was painting and, and doing some things like that. I included all those skills. That's part of what makes me who I am. 
writing your own list, asking that question, what's my identity? How do I view myself? How does God view me? Who am I? Answering these questions will help you figure out how you are to live out the roles God has given you. So we looked at those big picture of the family roles, husband, father, brother, sister, employee, um, a church member. You have all those roles. How are you supposed to do those roles well? Well, if we understand that God created you and God has given you roles that he also prepared you for, then these two questions are synced. How do I live this role well? And who am I? How am I made? They are questions that are joined together. You really need to ask both questions. And this goes back to the idea we can look at in the New Testament that you are his workmanship. And he has prepared beforehand the good works for you to do. So if you're his workmanship, God created you uniquely, specially, so that you can carry out his mission in the world, that you can carry out this role well. You're gifted uniquely to carry out your role in the church and in life in a special way. That should be hugely encouraging. I know a lot of people look at the way they're made and they feel like maybe they're a little bit odd or unique. Don't apologize for your your unique bent. Embrace that and understand that God has given it to you for you to use for His glory. Uh, this is a hugely important question for us to ask. It's a hugely important question for us to help our children with. Going back to one of the roles I have is that as a father, is to help my children understand that God created them, God's given these abilities and interests. Now, how can He use them? And we've continually, throughout our life as a family, tried to ask those questions and answer them and try to come up with ways that we could use these gifts, interests, and abilities. So for us, one of the things that did was meant that we started a family band in Japan. And we had four of the five of us have musical interest and varying levels of ability. And we used that to make new contacts, to get to know people, uh, to have opportunities to, to share who we were and, and our relationship with Jesus. So that unique bent that we had was something that we embraced and we got to do lots of interesting things because we looked at where we were, the roles that God has given us, and that unique way that we were made. And we saw that when those all come together, it's pretty cool how God gave us uh, really interesting experiences. Uh, another example, oops, I think all of our my family is uh, hyper-creative. So uh, art is a big part of our uh, unique bent. Just most of the members in the family do something artistic. We would go to arts and craft shows, particularly in one part of the city in Komoto. They, had, they were trying to do it, uh, revive this older part of the city, and they would have regular... Um, exhibitions or street festivals and things where they would have booths set up. So occasionally we would go and join that and we would set up a booth and we would have a combination of things that the family had made or could make and that gave us an opportunity to be part of something so we're not going to put on a, a show or to, to do a uh, an, an event ourselves like so many 
Christians and churches feel like we have to do the event and control everything. We didn't do that. We joined what the community was doing. So, okay, we'll, we'll put up a booth. And, you know, we did everything from um, bead necklaces to a little bit of leather craft to paintings, um, uh, wire sculpture. I mean, it's all kind of crazy stuff. And it's not that we managed to sell a whole lot. I'm not sure that we usually made much more than enough to cover the cost of having the booth there, but we were part of what the community was doing. Uh, we were visibly part of it. We met some unique people because of that. So again, that was us in this one role as a missionary family who are here to, to meet people and look for people that God is calling to himself and building relationships. And okay, that's our role. How are we made and how do we do that? Well, we're creative people. We enjoy that, and that's part of the way that we handle stress is to look for those times to get away and just make something. So how do we combine these things? This is how we're made. This is where we are, and this is what we're doing, and what's going on around us? Okay, well, now let's, let's use all of this information to come up with a good answer. That's what I'm challenging you to do. And, and again, it's helpful if you look at this as homework. Make a list of the roles you have. Look at how uh, God has spoken to those roles. Now look at your identity and how you were made and your unique gifting. Write that out. Make, make the detailed list. And then I would encourage you to pray over that list. Say, God, uh, everything about me is uh, according to your hand and your work. So use it for your glory. And now you can use all this information that you've generated to help you figure out how to come up with a plan, how to do life well, how to take that role that God's given you and glorify Him really well in it. Well, in the next step stage, you really want to work at combining these two. And this is really where the fun is, if you ask me. <laughs> and maybe that's because I'm too unique or kind of interesting, but it's really the blue sky time. There's no bad ideas. You want to uh, really consider everything. Put everything down and worry about evaluating later. You know, you can be critical and rule things out later, but put that critical thinker on a break and you need to generate ideas. Looking at your roles, looking at how God's made you, how could God possibly use those things? So brainstorming how to practically live out the life God has for you. Now, the goal here is to consider all the different ways that God could use your talents and abilities in the roles that He's given you. It's time to think outside the box because, you know, for this kind of activity, there's no box. <laughs> it is literally everything is, is open. Things that you'd say, well, there's no way that we could possibly do that. I no way I could do that. You should still write it down. Um, one of the things that I found value in having over the years is an idea file. And it really is just a, a list of ideas. Some of them have been on the idea file for years and you go, well, there's no way that will ever happen. Others, you write them down and then a month or two later you go, hey, you know, I think we could actually use that. Uh, sometimes a year or so later you go, hey, I think, it's, I think that's an option now. But it's good to have that list of ideas. How do you generate it? 
well, brainstorming uh, is the big picture. There are a couple of ways to do it. I really like a mind map. If you haven't ever used a mind map, there's you have the ability to do it with pen and paper. There are also different apps or programs that will do it. At its simplest, and maybe one of the, the easy ways to do it, if you have access to a big whiteboard or pig, big piece of poster board, a good way to do it would be put down each roll uh, right in the middle of the poster board, and then start kind of brainstorming word associations related to that. What are the different aspects of it? Um, maybe you have a role uh, as an employee, employee. What does that include? What are the, the things that you have to do? What are the relationships you have? Write all that stuff down. And for each one, uh, anywhere you can see a connection between your gifts, talents, abilities, and that role, just write down crazy stuff. Oh, I can do this. <laughs> write it out. Um, that's how we came up with the idea of doing things like the family band. Said we're here, we like music, kids are just beginning. How can we possibly use this? So, well, let's start simple. So, we played kind of a bluegrass style of music because it only required three chords, and our kids had just learned to play. What, what did we do then? We, we learned a few songs. Let's look for a place where there's like an open mic night. So we went to something like that. And we just, we went and said, hey, we know two songs, can we play? And because it was a family, and this was a, a country where there are not a lot of things like that around us, so they were just excited to have us come and, and to, to hear particularly, you know, an eight-year-old and 11-year-old who are playing and singing, and they, they thought that was great. We didn't have to be that good. <laughs> what that did, it gave us a place to mingle with other people. And over time, we just continued to consider, hey, we, we got better. Uh, somebody asked us, would you um, play like as an opening act for this mini concert as one of three or four groups? Hey, can we do that? Well, we need more songs. We can, I think we could do that. Uh, and then eventually we worked up to doing our own concerts and we played a few festivals and things like that. But it started with just the brainstorming. How could we use some of these things? I'm teaching uh, Cameron ukulele and Chloe guitar and she likes to sing and you know I play several things poorly and um, Susan plays piano and sings and knew just enough to play a little bit of bass. So how do we use these things? Well. Brainstorm word associations. Um, consider how you're made and the wildest ideas you can think of for fulfilling those roles. Come up with that idea list. As you're doing this, one thing I'd encourage you to do is to pray constantly. You're thinking about the role. You're thinking about how you're made, who you are. You're thinking about how you can do that role well and uniquely. You're not really asking the question, is, how can I do this role like everybody else? You're saying, how can I do it to the best of my ability, given who I am? If you're uh, a creative person like I am, then that often means coming up with creative ways to do things, even practical things. If you're 
uh, a logical person who's very organized, it may mean coming up with very organized ways to do some of the things that I'm going to do wildly different and maybe not quite as organized way. Use your strengths. Use your gifts. But think through. Uh, don't rule out something just because it's not what everybody else does. Again, you pray constantly. Trust God to work out the details. And part of this is don't forget to live today as you're doing this. Now, we are thinking about this in the context of I need to build a, a life that glorifies God. So I have all of my life, and I'm, I'm thinking about the details. I'm wondering how to live out these roles, and I'm planning for the future. You know, a lot of these roles, we go back and look at them. You know, I, I put down my roles, and I recognize that some of those roles are going to change over time. So my role as a father changes from the time the kids are two and three until the time they're 23. I'm planning for that change. I'm hopefully going to be ready for that change in, in the lives of each of the children. But I'm not just waiting on the future role. I'm living in the role as it is today. So you have to be today saying, I want to walk worthy today. I want to do the best I can with what I have today. But part of the planning and prayer is saying, I want to be ready for tomorrow. I want to do well today, but I'm not promised tomorrow. So uh, I really want to do well today. You know, I, I want to give God everything today. And part of living well today is thinking about that future. So as you're, you're brainstorming, you're thinking about who you are and how God's made you and, and all of these things, particularly if you're younger, it's, it's a good time to ask advice from the more mature believers around you. And this is if you're younger age in, in numbers, but also if you're younger in the faith. To consider the roles that you have, consider how God has made you, and maybe even take those lists to someone that you trust and that you know loves you and wants your best. And ask them, hey, will you pray with me and think about how I can live my life better? I'm trying to be the best mother, father, uh, son, daughter, employee that I can be and I'm looking at how God's made me and I want to use all of those things for his glory so will you pray with me what how do you see these things and what you may find is that uh, someone else from the outside will see things that you don't see and that can often be tremendously helpful so ask ask for advice and don't be afraid to try new things you know I encourage you to be creative and, and Think about how you're made and how you're uniquely made and how you can use that. That means you may come up with ideas and you don't see anyone else doing it that way. You may be hesitant to try something. Well, often we're afraid to fail. Well, my encouragement to you is don't be afraid to fail. Um, be afraid to succeed at the wrong thing. <laughs> but if you have the right goal and you have the right heart and if something's just really too off the wall, yeah, you may want to run it by some other people. But don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to do poorly. Continue to pursue your best. And that's not someone else's best. That's your best. Don't be afraid to try new things. Don't be afraid to fall. Get back up. Try again. 
evaluate, debrief, consider why did this fail? It may be that the idea wasn't bad, but the execution wasn't quite right, or the timing. Maybe it just wasn't the right time. Maybe it needed something that you don't have yet, or maybe it needed someone else to be part of that as well. So be willing to try new things in your life to do well at living the Christian life. We're consistently pursuing change in our life, and that should be changing how we live and what we're doing. And ultimately, in all of this, the goal is to keep the focus on following Jesus. You know, you, you keep asking yourself the question, what would it look like if I really intended to do what Jesus said? In my role in my company, uh, in my role in my family, in my role in my community, if I really intended to be salt and light, if I really intended to be part of this great work of reconciliation, to be an ambassador for Christ in this context, if I really intended to do that, what would that look like? Given how God has made me, how, how could I do that well? What would it mean to do that in a way that uniquely used my gifts to fulfill this role in a way that glorified God? I think stepping back and thinking about it from that perspective, particularly once you've gone through and made those lists and kind of brainstorming, thinking about it, it does uh, give you some real food for thought and hopefully give you some areas where you're willing to try some, some new things, to step out in faith and say, God, I really do want to accomplish what you have for me, and I know you've created me for a good work, and, and I know that you're working in me now I want you to work through me. Now, what does that look like? <laughs> it's not rocket science. I, I think this is part of the fun of the Christian life. Sometimes we get so uh, focused on the thing that's right in front of us. You, know, you can be so focused on your work that you don't see the work that God is doing. You can be so focused on your part in the church as a defined role and doing it the way everyone else does it, that you don't see how your unique gifting would allow you to do it better in a way that, that suits you, in a way that is more enjoyable, and maybe in a way that is more uh, spiritually profitable because it is in line with your gifts. I and mean, when you're serving in line with your spiritual gifts, I think you see the greatest fruit. So what does that look like? What does it mean to use your gifts given who you are in the world today? Yeah, this is a lot of stuff, and I, I realize that. Uh, but it's not, it's not hard. It, it does take time, and it takes being thoughtful. And I think sometimes we don't want to be thoughtful. We just want somebody else to tell us what to do. And I know I've heard people say exactly that. I just want somebody to tell me what to do. Well, God tells you what to do in many contexts, but he, he doesn't always give you all the little answers. But He gives you enough to figure it out. So thank you again for having this conversation with me. What is God doing in your life? How, how is God working in you? I mean, I know God is working to build His church, and He's using you to do it. So I'd love to hear from you. Write me at norman at runwithhorses.net. Leave a comment on the Run With Horses Facebook page. Uh, take time to pause. Thank God for the work that he's doing. And whatever you do, keep running. <laughs>